0: Hey friends, welcome to Tuesday's edition of Enough for Today. Thanks for joining me. We are in Psalm 38, so I invite you to turn there. We began to set this up yesterday, and as you're finding Psalm 38, I want to invite you to on-site groups uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday. Uh, I also hope that uh, you will enjoy um, the stream throughout this week. If you didn't get to catch Sunday, we, uh, we, re- we replayed that last night. It's also on. Uh, YouTube and on the church site. We finished John chapter 1 on Sunday and uh, it was a, a wonderful study of J- Jesus meeting his first disciples and a lot of profound uh, theology is wrapped up into John 1 and we really dove into that. We um, I probably took too long on Sunday but it was a uh, I pray a helpful study and if you didn't get to catch, it's simply entitled come and see which um, is how Jesus called or reached out to his first disciples, those that would come as first disciples, become his first disciples. It's a wonderful outreach tool for us too. The the simple words, come and see, to bring people to a place where they can hear the gospel, experience the love of Christ, understand what it means to know Jesus, and, uh, and check it out. Air their qu- uh, questions, uh, work through their doubts and skepticism. Uh, the invitation to come and see is an invitation to come and think and come and explore and come and Reason, come and put it all together. And um, so, anyway, if you didn't get to catch it, I hope you will. We're just going to look at the first few verses of uh, Psalm 38 because David is dealing with failure. He's dealing with sin. And there's a lot of implications of that sin in his life, as there is in our lives. And so, in the first position, uh, let's read the first three verses together. He says, O Lord, Rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Now, I want to begin here. I want to say it is so very important that you have a proper theology, a proper framework of the wrath and the anger of God. First of all, it is not irrational or unjust, okay? You need to understand that. We tend to think of anger... As emotion, human emotion, then we put it in the category of out of control human emotion, and uh, and then we put it in the category of unjust or injustice. We've all experienced that. We've probably all uh, been that to some degree because our human anger is so uh, interwoven with our own sin nature, and anger becomes something that is unholy and impure when when you when you mix it with sin, okay? But Ephesians teaches us to be angry and sin not. So there's a way to keep anger and sin uh, separated. And in that view, anger is something very different than what we typically think of, okay? Anger is um, purity, defending purity, okay? Okay. It is it is purity exercising justice. It's not emotional, so it doesn't go up and down. It's not irrational. It's not out of control. It's not reactionary. No, none of that. That we typically equate with anger. Anger is um, simply justice in action. Okay, and so <clears throat> now the beautiful part of this reality as New Testament believers is that we don't face the just anger of God that we deserve, okay? Because Jesus faced it for us. And so in the sense that uh, anger is the meeting out of justice or punitive um, reckoning or punishment, uh, we don't face that because Jesus faced it for us. But David here is talking about rebuke and chasten. Chastening, and that we do face because rebuke and chastening is not just um, the expression of, of of harsh emotion or punishment. It's not that at all. Rebuke and chastening are correction uh, and nurture. It's putting me on the right path. It's growing me through my failure. So let's begin here. Okay, let's let's begin here that. David knows that wrath, knows that rebuke and chastening or hot displeasure is not something that's going to destroy him. And he knows that it's not something that causes him to lose God's love or favor. How does he know that? Because he's coming to God, okay? He knows he's still, even in spite of his failure, he knows he still has a road to God, a source of communication to God. He knows he still has mercy. An entrance in a hearing with God, a reception, a welcome, if you will. That's why he's praying. So, whatever we think of the wrath or the uh, displeasure or the rebuke or chastening of God is something like like a stiff arm, like God's rejecting us, or like maybe when you're when you were little, your parents said, "Go to your room." You know, you had that sense of rejection, <clears throat> which even that wasn't right. But in a cosmic uh, God. A scaled view of these things we tend to think of wrath and displeasure as something absolutely destructive you know fire and brimstone and eternal separation from God and in this sense in this sense it is not now when God brings about final vengeance final justice final reckoning final justice final uh, judgment and pours out his ultimate the sum total of all of his wrath on all injustice and sin yeah that's going to be final <clears throat> and it's going to be um it, it's going to be explosive it's going to be fiery um but right here that's this is a different thing that David's talking about he has he has he has fallen and he is experiencing that fallenness he is experiencing the outcomes and the wounds that his sin has brought and so he's asking God to deliver him from that from the wrath the displeasure of the rebuke and the chastening, the the unpleasantness. He's repenting. He's saying, "God, it worked. The rebuke is working. The chastening is working. Can you remove this? Why?" Verse two, because your arrows are sticking fast into me. I'm getting it. They hurt. But I know I need them. They're sticking. They're 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 there. Your hand is pressing me sore. It's 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 heavy it's becoming unbearable <clears throat> there is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger david is panting after god he wants to be right with god he wants to know that god is finishing his correction with david and there's nothing wrong with that now he's surrendered to god obviously he he understands that god is the authority He's not accusing God. I want you to catch that. He's not accusing God. He's owning his own sin. He understands that God is dealing with him justly, fairly, reasonably. But he nonetheless sees God as a loving, merciful, long-suffering, gentle father who can even bear the complaints of of the weight of bearing God's correction. I, Look at verse uh, 3. There's no soundness in my flesh because of that anger. I can't sleep. I can't get out of my mind. My mind won't stop. It's eating me up, essentially. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. You see the distinguishing. David knows he's owning in true repentance. Repentance owns its own responsibility for sin. Um, but he is He's asking God for that sweet, fellowship, and sweet communion to return, and he's going to God, who he knows to be loving and gentle and long-suffering in it all. I just think this is a beautiful three verses. It's not, not, you know, it's nobody's life verse. It's nobody's uh, favorite verses to memorize. But if we could get the essence of these verses that God is a loving God in that he would never have a child that he doesn't correct and rebuke, especially when that child is self-destructing, but he never intends to break us or reject us. He always intends um, to grow us. We are always in his favor in that sense, always. You're never not in God's favor, even when you're in his rebuke or correction. So take heart, my friend. Respond well to your failures, because God surely is, and he loves you more than you know. Happy Tuesday. We'll pick it up here tomorrow. Have a great day.